0: With the second pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Carson Wentz. Westfield with Elvia, Westfield with Elvia, West born and raised. In front of the Rui Stars, Tim goal! Timmons in transition. What a pass to MP! And welcome, everybody, to the Wiz Wit Podcast, the show bringing you all the news from the best sports city in the world. Philadelphia, I have a very special and fun show planned for today as we have the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies taking on the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies. Which team was the better championship team? Which team would win if the two were to face off? I did a lot of extensive research. It's probably going to be a a little bit of a longer show. Um, We're also going to get into... The MLB's plans to bring baseball back again. There's been a lot of talk this week that they're pushing to get this season started by end of June, early July. I'm going to highlight some of that, and I think uh, we'll be seeing Phillies baseball very soon. But first, you can follow the podcast at WizWitPod on all social media platforms. And now that the housekeeping is done, let's get into what we want to talk about, and that is Philadelphia Phillies baseball coming back by mid June, early July. This week, Ken Rosenthal broke the internet and the sports world by saying that the plan is for Major League Baseball to start end of June, early July, and at least play 80 games. The postseason could be played at neutral sites with the World Series ending in late November or early December. You know, as we knew, the season was scheduled to start end of March, it got canceled. This is what Rosenthal said, the league could open in 10 to 12 states or as many as 20 home park sources say, or it could start in Florida, Texas, Arizona, then take a break after say five weeks to reassess a moving to other locations. Um, Even the states hit hardest by the virus, New York, Michigan, California, I would put Philadelphia in there, might welcome the return of baseball in empty parks, citing the example of life returning to normal. Now, I, I would be hyped. Like I said, if you can do this in a safe way, if you can bring baseball back in a safe way, why not do it? As I have highlighted before, WWE and AEW and all these pro wrestling um, companies are still running as essential businesses in Florida. They have contact, but they do testing and they check fevers and they check temperatures and they make sure no one has symptoms before they get in the ring. And I think baseball could do that baseball doesn't have as much contact as professional wrestling or as football or as basketball. So I feel like baseball is the thing that's going to get us back on track as a sports nation. And most importantly, I think this is important for baseball. Baseball hasn't been very popular over the years. Miami Marlins fans, they know what it's like. Um, You know, what thousand of them show up every game. So the Miami, Miami crowd doesn't have to worry about any, any revenue loss with that. Um, But I just think that baseball needs this because baseball is not a popular sport between the demographic of, let's say, 16 to 32. You know, there's basketball, there's football, even hockey, I think, right now is more popular than Major League Baseball in that age group. And this is a way that it's like all eyes are now on baseball. Baseball can try things like robotic umpires. Baseball can change the game, make it more fast-paced with the pitch clock. I think this is going to be perfect for Major League Baseball, and I think this is a great opportunity for them to grow their popularity and have people fall in love with the game that I love so much in baseball. Under the proposal, MLB would toss out traditional American and National League. um, So no divisions. There's three divisions now. No American League and National League. They would have 10 team divisions. Based on geography, teams would only play against the other clubs in the division competing in a regular season schedule of about 100 games before playing in an extended playoff. The divisions would be divided as followed. The East would be the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Nationals, the Orioles, the Phillies, the Pirates, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Miami Marlins. It's a pretty good division. Can you imagine playing the Yankees that many times? They'd become a rival, that's for sure. Um... The West would be the Dodgers, the Angels, the Giants, the Athletics, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Rangers, the Astros, the Mariners. And the Central would be the Cubs, the White Sox, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Reds, the Indians, the Twins, the Braves, the Tigers. I can't argue with that. I think it's the safest way to get it done. Again, look at what baseball is doing. They're taking these necessary steps and... They're, they're making logical decisions of we're not going to have a team from New York travel to California. Like, let's keep them all close to each other. They can play each other. There's 10 teams, so there's plenty of, you know, three-game series with nine teams. And you switch through again. I think that's a, a brilliant idea. I think it's a perfect idea, especially for this season, to bring back baseball. Um, the previously reported Arizona plan, which would have entailed relocating all 30 teams to Arizona and separ- separating everyone from their families, is still on the table. But the player-driven backlash against setting up no visitors um, has had the MLB think about changing the scenario. Which I agree. I can't imagine, especially like Bryce Harper, who just had a newborn, not being able to see his, his kid or his wife and other people with kids, Because someone has a sick parent, they can't see them. Like, this needs to to work for family first. But I'm sure Major League Baseball also needs to let these players know they're going to have to take a pay cut. And I think the players will be okay with that because it's either they don't get paid for the season or they play and they get their Millions, even if it's a fifty percent pay cut or or twenty five percent pay cut, these guys will still be making enough money to live and support their families, and they'll be millionaires still. So I think that is the smartest thing to do. I'm excited to see if baseball can come back. I believe it can. I believe this is the only smart way to do it. Is the ten team divisions. Keep it like this this season. Keep it safe. We can go back to the normal whenever normal happens. Right now we have to embrace the new norm, and we have to find a way to get sports back, get entertainment back, but keep people safe. And I think Major League Baseball has a great plan to do that, and I hope to see it soon. When we get back from the break, it is time for the only two Phillies teams that brung us championships to Philadelphia to clash as the 80 Phillies take on the 08 Phillies right after this break passionate and professional detailing is what describes shore style detailing they service everything from your daily driver classics luxury and exotic vehicles they provide first class personalized detailing services maintenance and total surface protection shore style detailing has the solution needed to protect your vehicles motorcycles and boats for a lifetime every vehicle is treated the same with the utmost care and attention to detail as if it were their own Invest in quality detail where passion and pride are applied into every step from start to finish. Tell them that Wiz Wit sent you and save 20% off your detail. So, coming at you first were the 1980 Phillies with a record of 91 and 71. Their opponent, the 08 Phillies come in at 92 and 70. Very close. This matchup will feature Four league MVPs with Smith, Rollins, Howard, and Pete Rose. Smith won the first of his three MVPs in 1980 when he led the NL in homers and RBI. Howard was the MVP in 2006, finished second in voting in 2008, while also leading the league in homers and RBI. The series will feature two of the greatest left-handers in franchise history, Steve Carlton versus Cole Hamels. It'll feature switch hitters with big personalities and great defensive skills, Larry Boa and Shane Victorino. Um, it'll the bullpen aces of Tug McGraw and Brad Lidge, and then a couple of role players that turn into great players with McBride versus Worth. Um, this is going to be. So much fun to do. So, the way I broke down the stats, and let me, I just got to erase some stuff real quick because there are so many notes. I just wanted to go up, right? So, we have the catcher. The catcher position and all of the other positions are based on average hits, home runs, and RBI. Now, I know there is better defensive players and stuff like that. I can't get into those kind of stats. I'm not ESPN. That would be long, tedious, boring. Let's talk about what people like, and that's hitting the ball, right? Let's talk about some offense. So Bob Boone versus Carlos Ruiz. Boone bat at 229 with 110 hits, 9 home runs, and 55 RBI in the 1980 season. Now, remember, this is only based on the season that they won the championships, that body of work, not the whole thing. Smith was the MVP that year, but it's just based off the 1980 Mike Smith, not the whole thing, okay? So before anyone's like, well, this team had this and this, it is based off that that season alone, and that is all. I didn't bring playoffs into consideration. I wanted to do regular season. Who would win a series between them based off the larger body of work? So Bob Boone, 229, 110 hits, 9 home runs, and 55 RBI. Chooch, Carlos Ruiz, 219 average, 70 hits, 4 home runs, 3 RBI. Winning the catcher position is the 1980 Phillies and Bob Boone. Now, this was one of the toughest ones. When we get into first base, we have Pete Rose versus Ryan Howard. Pete Rose hit 282 with 185 hits, 1 home run, and 64 RBI. Ryan Howard hit 251, 153 hits, 48 Home runs and 146 RBI. I got to give this one to the big piece. This was a really hard one to the side as they both split the categories 2-2. But 146 runs batted in and 48 home runs is just something you can't. You, I mean, that's astronomical numbers. That is... And his average wasn't that bad that year at 251. I know Rose has more hits, gets on base more often. But Howard's power and driving the ball and driving runs in is what won them a lot of games. So I have to give the edge on this one to Ryan Howard. Second base Manny Trio versus Chase Utley Trio with a 292 average, 155 hits, 7 home runs, and 43 RBI. Not a bad year at second base, but when you're going against Chase Utley, you got to bring something a little bit heavier. Chase Utley that year, and I, I forgot how good Utley was that year because Howard was really just on fire, and people were talking about him in media. Utley batted two ninety two with 177 hits, 33 home runs, and 104 RBI. So over 30 home runs, over 100 RBI for the guy batting in front of Ryan Howard. Now I know he got to see a lot more pitches because Ryan, but Ryan Howard still did his thing. And people didn't figure out at that time that Ryan Howard couldn't hit a slider. So, you know, fastball central. Um the shortstop position, Larry Boa versus Jimmy Rollins. Man, like look at these players the these teams had. The clubs had such great players. Um Boa 267 average, 144 hits, two home runs, 39 RBI. And then in this one, they're speedsters, 21 stolen bases. Jimmy Rollins, 277, 154 hits. So he beats them by 10 on average, 10 on hits, 11 home runs, nine on home runs, and, and 59 RBI. So he beats them by 20 there. And then stolen bases, J-Roll had 47. Winner, hands down, Jimmy Rollins. Thanks for coming, Larry Bowes. So, so far... Um, The 8 Phillies have won first, second, base, and and shortstop. And the 80 Phillies have won the catcher spot. Third base. Do I even have to to read this? Do I have to read this? Mike Smith versus Pedro Feliz. One thing I remember about Pedro Feliz, right? He came out the Lincoln Park fiend. That always hyped me up. I'd be so hyped And any strikeout or ground out or whatever he would do. Mike Smith, 286, 157 hits, 48 home runs, 121 RBI. Unheard of in the 80s. This dude was a beast, right? Best Philly of all time. Pedro Feliz, about a two, 249, 106 hits, 14 home runs, and 58 RBI, which is a nice season it's not a terrible season right not a bad season you're against Mike Smith though all right you're against Mike Smith it's like me versus Ali in a boxing match so then I added up the totals so the the 1980s infield total I added up all the batting averages just added them up I didn't average them out I'm not listen if you know me you know I hate mathematics I'm a history major so I literally just added them up right (laughs) just added the averages up whatever the higher average was that wins so in the infield totals the batting average total was a 1.35 for um for the 80s infield 751 hits 67 home runs and 322 rbi 2008 only um Bat at 1.28, so they lost that. 660 hits, so they almost lost hits by 100. But 115 home runs and 398 RBI. They were tied 2-2 in categories, but I give the edge to the power in this and the ability to score runs and drive the ball. So I give the edge in the infield to the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies. When we get back, we will get into the outfield of the Phillies, and the closing pitcher, who will win this battle? Stay tuned and find out. Are you planning a party, a wedding, or another event where you need entertainment services, such as a wedding event planner, day of coordinating, bartending services, DJ entertainment, catering, professional photography, and much more? Well, then I have a place for you. Contact Philly with a twist. Go like their page on Facebook and tell them that Wit sent you. Imagine walking into your first therapy appointment. Instead of some old white dude or lady, there's a 6'2 black dude with a high top fro and flamingo socks. Tune in to The Unorthodox Therapist, where my boy Dante, a licensed pro counselor based out of Philly, drops you buckets of knowledge on mental health and therapy. Available on all platforms. And welcome back to the Wit Podcast as we are in the middle of a dogfight between the Phillies of 08 and the Phillies of 1980. We're about to get into the outfield, the starting pitchers, and the duel that everyone's been talking about, McGraw versus Lidge. Who closes the game out? Who is the better closer? Who will win the battle of the championship teams? Now, let's get into the outfield. So... Man, I, every time I see his name I just think Bulls barbecue, Craig Lazinski. I just want to be at the ballpark eating the the pulled pork sandwich. Ah, oh, Bulls barbecue is the best. All right, so we got Lazinski versus Pat Burrell. Pat the bat, Mr. I'll sleep with your wife, I don't care. You know, <laughs> Mr. steal your girl Pat Burrell, right? This is a good matchup. Um, lazinski just didn't have the year that I thought he would have had. Um, 228 average, 84 hits, 19 homers, which is some power, and 56 RBI. Pat Burrell shattered. I don't remember Pat Burrell in 08 being like decent, probably because he was like the fourth or fifth best player on our team. But he batted 250, which isn't the best. 134 hits, 33 homers, and 86 RBI. This 08 Phillies team could just hit the cover off the baseball. Like, I, I remember going to the ballpark and being excited, but when you look at the stats as a team, this they would rip the face off a of baseball. I mean, look, I mean, they had Howard with over 45 homers, Utley with over 30, Burl with over 30. We're getting a worth who over 20. Like, this team could just hit the baseball. So, in this, I pick Pat Burrell. The winner um, is I'm going with him. It's a close one, but Pat Burrell, Pat Burrell wins um, just because the average, the hits, the homers. I think Lazinski's a great player, but Pat Burrell, that year, I was surprised, had a really, really good year. Gary Maddox versus Shane Victorino. This is another close one. Um Maddox batted 259, 142 hits, 11 home runs, and 73 RBI. So he has more RBI than Victorino, who batted 293, 167 hits, 14 home runs, 15 RBI. Those last two categories are very close, but what gives the edge to Shane Victorino is his average was 30 points higher, and he had 25 more hits. So I'm going to go with Shane Victorino in the battle of center fielders. Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian, provided a spark to that team like no other. When he got on base, he could do fun stuff. He always came up clutch. I feel like whenever we needed someone to get on base, Shane was the man. Um, So fun to watch and definitely one of the quickest outfielders we ever had, especially in center field, made some great plays with the glove. Shane Victorino wins that one. Now, Blake McBride versus Jason Wirth, or these two weren't really known players coming in, and then they just ended up blowing up that season. McBride had a scary good season when I looked at these stats. 309, 171 hits, 9 home runs, and 87 RBI. Now, he wasn't driving the ball out of the park, but 87 RBI is nothing to sneeze at, right? Jason Worth, who had a great season that year as he was split in time, 273 114 hits 24 home runs 67 RBI. I'm going to go with McBride. This was the year that Jason Worth finally became the starter because he showed that he was equipped for the position and then he had a great 09 and he signed that big contract in Washington and became a hell of a ball player. Um but in 08 McBride beats Jason Worth. So the outfield totals are in and the um I, again Added up the averages. Leave me alone. All right? Didn't do average on average on I don't know how to do that. And if you put any letters in mathematics, screw yourself. Okay? I don't know what 6H means. What does H mean? Okay? I don't need to know that. The outfield totals. .796 average, 397 hits, 39 home runs, and 216 RBI. That's for the 1980s team. Now, the RBI and the home runs, you know, Pat Burrow had 33. So you know that the the 08 Phillies definitely beat that. The 08 Phillies had a .816 average combined, 415 hits, 71 home runs, and 211 RBI. So they lost the RBI battle, but they won everything else. So I think the better outfield, based off offense, right, based off offense and not defense, but still, you got to score runs to win baseball games unless you're a pitcher. And if the pitcher shuts down, which we're getting into next, I give the edge to the 08 Phillies. So the 08 Phillies had the better offense. That's no doubt about it. I don't think that was a doubt coming in. But when we add these up and we look at it and we look at it, the proof is in the pudding that the, the 08 Phillies team could not be stopped from scoring runs. But who could stop them? We're gonna get into pitching now. Pitching, I went easy. Okay. Win loss record ERA, because that, that's the tall tale, right? That's that's how you, that's how they decide Cy Young. I mean, there's other stuff, but it's like, what's your win-loss record, and what's your ERA? With the two greatest left-handers the Phillies have ever had facing off, Steve Carlton versus Cole Hamels. Carlton, and this is like, like age 35 Carlton's doing this, right? And, and Hamels is like 24 at the time. Carlton at 35, 24-9 and, and a 2.34 ERA. What a monster, you know, and it sucks because I didn't get to live through that era of Phillies baseball. I was negative seven at the time. If you want me to do math, um, but Christ, I mean, look at those numbers, incredible. Cole Hamels, not a bad season for a twenty-four year old, fourteen and ten with a three ERA. So he had a great ERA. Um, again, we're not comparing postseason because Hamels that postseason went. I think 4-0, and he was a beast on the mound. He was untouchable, unhittable, amazing, amazing run to bring home that 08 championship. But the winner of this battle, as I think everyone kind of predicted or knew, is going to be Steve Carlton. Dick Ruthven, I think that's his name. It's a fun name to say if it is Dick Ruthven, versus Jamie Moyer. All right, so Dick went 17 and 10. It's a great record with a 3.55 ERA. This is going to surprise a lot of people. Okay, uh, let me take my hat off and put it back on real quick because Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Moyer, Jamie Moyer pitches about as fast as this kid Corey did when I played little league baseball. Right? I think his fastball was like a 75 when we were 12. I think Jamie Moore's was like a 75 when he was 40. Jamie Moyer, slow pitch softball star. Jamie Moyer, right? We all made fun of him. Doesn't pitch fast enough. It just throws slow. Listen to the stat line for that year: sixteen and seven, with a three point seven one ERA. Jamie Moyer was sixteen and seven in two thousand eight, with a three point. No one could hit the slow pitch. Three point seven one ERA. But between him and Dick, I had to give this one the first draw because they both had great records. Dick had a better ERA, Jamie had a better win loss. I just feel like it was kind of so close in numbers. We go even there. So right now, the 1980 Phillies are up one to nothing in pitching. Then we have Bob Walk versus Brett Myers. Another close matchup here as on um, Bob Walk was 11 and 7 with a 4.57 ERA. Brett Myers was 10 and 13 with a 4.55 ERA. Based off that, right? You can't win a matchup if you have a losing record. That's just how I feel about it. Um you have a losing record. I don't I don't care how good your ERA is. You've lost 13 games, walks only lost seven. You've lost more than you won. So it's either they're not giving you run support or when they do, you're just that's when you blow the game. So the winner here is Bob Walk and the the 80 Phillies go up 2-0 in the pitching. Now, Randy Lurch versus Kyle Kendrick. Good old KK. Um he was fun to watch that year. I mean, he was he had some great outings. He wasn't the best, but like as a number 4, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't complain. Um Randy Lurch was 4 and 14 with a 5.16 ERA. Kyle Kendrick 11 and 9 with a 5.49 ERA. So when the ERA was lower for Lurch again. I can't let you win if you're 4 and 14. Okay? I know run support matters, but Eleven and nine. If I if I gave you a list and I said eleven and nine with a five point four nine ERA, you're only giving up a little bit more runs, or the pitcher that goes four and fourteen with a five point one six, you're gonna take the eleven and nine guy. It's that simple. And that's how I thought about it. I didn't overcomplicate things. I did it how I would pick it in my head, and how people would pick it based on paper. If there's no names involved, um, I go Kyle Kendrick because of the win loss record. Nino Espinosa versus Adam Eaton. Again, Adam Eaton was f- not good that year. I remember that. Uh, Espinosa, 3-5, and five, with a 3.77 ERA. And uh, Eaton was 4-8 and eight with a 5.80 ERA. So Espinosa wins because his ERA was great for someone who had a losing record. And Adam Eaton was almost near 6. So, obviously, Espinosa wins that. So now, the eighty Phillies are up 3-1. to one. I know I did it off 6 pitchers because I know there's a starting 5, but... It looks like both teams brought in people at the end, like uh, Larry Christensen, and then of course we had Mean Joe Blanton come in. Um, Christensen was 5-1 and with a 4.03 RA. Blanton was 4-0 and with a 4.2 um, ERA. So the winner of that match is a draw. Both guys, awesome. I mean, good ERA, great records. You can't pick between the two. Um, I know you know Larry Christensen only lost one game, but Blant was undefeated when he came in, so I I, I got to give it a draw. I have to there. So the starting pitching totals, and this is where I actually tried to do averages. So we'll see if they were right. If you're a mathematician and I was wrong, well, just don't correct me, please. Um, the starting pitching totals were the '80s uh, starters were 64 and 46 with a 3.31 ERA average. And the 08 Phillies were 59 and 47 with a 3.84. The winner. Was the 80 Phillies. Now. It's time baby. It's time for the heavyweight fight right. Tug McGraw. Versus Brad Lidge. The best closers in Phillies history. The poses. Tug with his hands in the air. Lidge kneeling on the mound. Who wins. And I'm going to. And on the closing I did. The ERA. The saves. And the record. Right, because the record matters. Because you come and win a game, come in and lose a game. McGraw, five and four, with a one point four six ERA and twenty saves, unbelievable year. Brad Lidge, the best closing season ever, I think, in MLB history, because he went perfect on every save. He ended up forty eight and O um, in the regular season. He had forty one saves. 2-0, 1.95 ERA, 41 saves. One of the best, most memorable seasons a Philadelphia Philly has ever had. McGraw's line's great, right? McGraw's line is, his ERA is better. But what Brad Lidge accomplished that season is unheard of. Um, It's still talked about in Philly to this day. That guy just entered a different zone. Without Brad Lidge, the Phillies don't win the 08 World Series right It was just it was the one time we had like a sure thing coming in to close a game in years and it paid off and it paid dividends because he went undefeated that season with a 48 save clean streak, no blown saves, 48 of them in a row. You gotta go, Brad Lidge there. um so you're probably thinking, well who wins this right? It's obvious to me that pitching wins championships, right? But here's the thing. It's it's tough because the the 80s Phillies pitching staff so much better. But the 08 Phillies like position players are so much stronger and faster and they hit better and they have better power. And I think power helps wins championships. And I think that's why the 08 Phillies won is because – they had so much power that if you shut Howard out, you still had to worry about Worth, Utley, Burrow. Rollins could pop it out. Victorino could pop it out. Pedro Feliz could pop one out every once in a while. It was just that you couldn't get through their lineup safe. And I think that would be a problem for the 80 Phillies. Now, obviously, Steve Carlton is the best pitcher in Philadelphia Phillies history, right? I just believe the power of the 08 Phillies is too strong as they could simply score runs at will. Besides Carlton, I think the pitching was pretty even. I I know that the 80s Phillies players won more and they had a better ERA and a better win-loss, but they weren't astronomically better. The The separation there was between Carlton and Hamels. The thing with this seven-game series is you might see a pitcher two. Maybe three times if it gets to Game 7. I don't think the 0-8 Phillies let it get to Game 7. I am taking the 0-8 Phillies to be the best championship team the Philadelphia Phillies have ever had based on power and based on that infield. The whole team... Was just a better team. They might have had better pitchers in the '80s. Mike Smith might have been the better player of all of them, and that's fine. They had to the do two best players. So actually, if you take the three—Carlton, Schmidt, and Pete Rose—and you put them up against Hamels, Utley, Howard, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. So it was very hard for me to decide. I was reading these notes. I couldn't believe the season Pat Burl had. I couldn't believe the season Jamie Moyer had. This was fun to do. If you want me to do more stuff like this, please give me some topic ideas. I don't have any listener questions this week because um, it was a slow week. But with Eagles rumors ramping up, are we bringing Jason Peters back? Um, that's going to be a big topic going forward with baseball maybe coming back into the fold that's going to be a big topic. We have a lot of topics coming up, and as soon as baseball starts or sports goes live, we will be live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook. You can still catch the show on YouTube, Spotify, Twitch, wherever you find your podcast. Please give it a like, give it a subscription, give it a share. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the WizWit Podcast. Be safe and have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.